Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update Podcast, actionable information for industry leaders. I'm Sean Fitzgerald. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean, the Chief Marketing Officer here at Thomas. I'll be stepping in as host for today's episode while our CEO, Tony Upoff, enjoys some well-deserved time away from the mic out in sunny California. I'm joined today by Ryan Chan, the CEO and founder of Upkeep. Upkeep provides mobile-first CMMS software that enables maintenance and facilities operating teams to more effectively plan and respond to required maintenance events. Considering his background in chemical engineering in combination with his production process experience, Ryan is a uniquely qualified leader for a company focused on helping maximize uptime and maintain safety, all from a mobile device. And it's been an exciting ride for him so far. Upkeep recently landed $36 million in Series B funding. When you dive into Upkeep's data, it's easy to see why there's so much interest in the unique industrial startup. In one recent case study executed by Forrester, Upkeep reduced an industrial company's time spent filling work orders and locating asset information by 90%. Between savings and time spent filling work orders, savings in avoided production downtime, and savings in avoiding time spent doing unplanned maintenance work, the company saved more than $1.3 million by implementing the mobile maintenance solution. Ryan and I will talk about his best advice for how industrial business leaders should start looking at their operational data to make strategic data-driven decisions, his predictions for the future of Industry 4.0, and how leaders can more effectively track facility cleaning compliance and safety adherence in the context of COVID-19. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm looking forward to this. It's great to get to to catch up here and learn more about what you're working on with the business. Obviously, hugely important across all walks of manufacturing and in all kinds of different industries to be able to maintain that safety and maximize uptime. How did your journey begin to starting Upkeep? What drove you in this direction to start this company? It's a great question, Sean. Uh, I often get asked that, you know, how does Ryan get started in this industry? You know, like you mentioned, I started out at Cal Berkeley. I was a chemical engineer. My first job was working in a manufacturing plant. I was a process engineer and every single day I was thinking about how do we speed up our manufacturing line? How do we make it go from 20 feet per minute to 21 feet per minute? And what we realized as a company and as a team was that, you know, actually speeding up that manufacturing line is quite difficult. So we actually changed and shifted focus from just trying to speed it up to now reducing downtime of our equipment because we realized that doing that would have the same net outcome as just speeding it up because we'd have these critical breakdowns that would happen almost on repeat on almost a weekly, monthly basis. That was really my first step into, you know, the field of manufacturing and more specifically the field of maintenance because what we realized was that all of the downtime events could have been prevented or mitigated through better reliability practices. And so a little bit about the journey into upkeep, we wound up and my team was responsible for finding better software, better tools, technologies to maintain uptime of our critical assets and look at all of the planned, preventative, predictive and reactive work orders. What we found out in the market was a uh, a little bit lackluster. How about that for, for <laughs> a, a better word? <laughs> kind, very kind. And so ultimately, you know, upkeep really stemmed from that. I saw the challenges of software and 
in industry and more specifically towards maintenance software and said, hey, I want to go build something better, something that my old company could have used. And, you know, a couple years later, wound up, wound up uh, quitting my job, working in manufacturing, getting introduced to this world of tech, which I absolutely love. And over the past five years, gotten this awesome opportunity to build a team to continue building software for the maintenance, reliability, facility managers out in the industrial space. Team is now uh, close to 100 people. And like you've mentioned, more recently closed our Series B. And we're, we're just on a tear. It's, it's a ton of fun, Sean. Love it from the background on it. And I think, you know, one of the main things we talk about on my teams all the time is that if you have software, the software should work for you. You shouldn't work for it. From some of the research that I did around upkeep, I think that was one of the main areas that you were so frustrated with, with what you found out there in the industry. Primarily, this was more desktop type software that didn't really lend itself to the way, you know, MROs typically work. Yeah. I mean, we got this funny saying, actually, you know, it's it's we take the work out of work orders. And I think that that really encapsulates exactly what we do. Like, you know, obviously we go to work, we get these paper work orders. And when we see our customers just filling it out on, you know, paper and pencil, that's that's not the mission of upkeep. Essentially, what we want to do is make the days, lives and jobs easier for field technicians. And yeah, that's kind of where our, our little slogan comes from. Again, taking the work out of work order. Yeah, helping jobs to be done is always the, the fastest way to someone's heart, right? If you can help them make the day a little bit easier and get it done quicker, you'll have a, a customer for life there. As you look at upkeep, there are always different things going on inside of the facilities, right? So you have planned maintenance and you have unfortunately unplanned maintenance. There's one story that I tell to new folks that join us here at Thomas, where inside of our data one day when we were working with a customer, we saw a poor MRO uh, come on to a website that was for boiler components and parts. And this person searched for, I think, about 12 hours across the site in all kinds of different areas, and then finally submitted an RFQ around midnight, about 12 hours later, when they had finally completed all their research and saw what was available to help fix the problem. And that's, you know, the thing that I try to highlight for folks here is that while it's planned, that's great, but sometimes, you know, you're standing in water trying to see what the problem is and trying not to get electrocuted at the same time. You know, in facilities, it's we've talked about it, it's all about maintaining that level of safety. How does upkeep work for MROs, you know, on both the planned side of things and the unfortunate days that are unplanned maintenance events that they have? That's a great question because safety is at the core of upkeep. You know, we, we always talk about like making the days, lives and jobs easier for technicians, but a critical component to that is making their days and work more safe. When we talk about the role of a maintenance technician, what we often hear is that they're put into one of the most unsafe positions because when that boiler goes down, you can't look at an operating manual because it's not functioning as if it were operating at 100%. Right. And so, like you mentioned, like safety is so, so critical. So what does upkeep do? What we often hear is that data and having an audit trail of who did what, when, where, and how is so critical to understanding how a piece of equipment got to where it is, whether that's broken, whether, whether it's down or not. And so what upkeep is really doing is serving as a, this audit trail so that you don't have to go back to filing cabinets to pull out, you know, hey, you know, Tom, replace 
this bearing, you know, six months ago and try to piece together what that history looks like. Now you can pull out your phone, scan a QR code, pull up the entire audit trail of who did what, when, and that gives our customers this full picture of what happened. And that enables them to, again, make their day more safe. And ultimately, like what we want to do, you know, that that's kind of in the unplanned scenario. But really what we want to do is prevent these unplanned situations from even happening in the first place. And really, that's that's what upkeep is all about as well. It's taking everything that we learned, turning reactive work orders and turning those into preventable ones for the future. And so we tout a bunch to all of our customers. Upkeep is all about a preventative maintenance solution. It's condition based monitoring so that that way you can prevent breakdowns from even occurring. You can look at your PM compliance. You can look at what's causing um, your breakdowns and look at trends over time and give your, you guys, your, the business leaders, the opportunity to really dig deep, analyze what's going on versus flying blind, which is what we often hear from a lot of our customers. Completely agree. I mean, the, the flying blind comment is all too frequent when we talk to folks and hear about their uh, fortunate journeys in, in uh, maintenance and planning there. All of that audit trail really lends itself to one of the recent launches that you had on the platform too, as far as upkeep analytics. Obviously, data-driven decision-making is moving all the way to the forefront now in every single business and just continuing to gain momentum. So what are the types of cool things that folks are going to be able to see and understand and make decisions around with the new Upkeep's analytic tool? Yeah, let me, I'll quickly talk about our journey and how we got here, because I think that helps tell the story of what Upkeep Analytics is and this big new launch that we just had. So I'll tell you about the, the beginnings of Upkeep. We built a solution built for technicians. I, I, I mentioned to you that you know our slogan is we want to take the work out of work orders. And really that core premise was we're going to build a solution for the technicians because what we saw was that you know all the other competitors were selling all these beautiful reports and dashboards and whatnot, but they didn't have the data to back it up because there was no adoption amongst the technicians, the end users. So we flipped that around. We said, all right, we're going to build a solution. We're going to start with technicians because they're the source of data. And we very deliberately did not start with the VP of operations, the C-level execs in mind. Instead, we basically said, we're going to build for the technicians. We're going to make sure that they have the best experience. And one day, one of these days, we're going to get to that point and say, all right, now that we've got all of this data, we, we built this amazing solution for technicians that takes the work out of their day. Now we're going to take this data and turn it into these beautiful reports, dashboards. And, um, you know, I would say, Sean, today was that day. We, we said we've got a huge mass of customers that absolutely love our product. We've got all this data in the system. And now what we're going to do is take this data, showcase amazing reports that you never had. And so we went all out. We didn't half-ass it. We went all out for forwards. And this, all, this was only possible because of the data that we had in the system because of end users that use our product. Within this new launch of Upkeep Analytics, 
could see everything breaking and drilling really deep into each facility, into each asset, into categories and groups of assets. You can look at each individual to see their wrench time and where your, your money is going. And again, this was not possible if we had started with building the dashboards first. This was only possible because we started with data first and really the end users, the technicians first. And adoption is always such a huge challenge. So really interesting that you and the team focused on having that as a primary driver to be able to collect all that great information. As that's now come to fruition and it's there for, you know, these folks in leadership roles inside of the teams, they're going to have all of this information at their fingertips. What's some of the best advice you could give these leaders around how to start looking at it, where they can probably find some of their quickest wins inside of the tool sets that we just talked about? It's a great question. And the biggest tip there is what we often hear from, you know, people in the industry is that, you know, they have these once a quarter, maybe maybe once a month roll up reports that they send to leadership. The biggest tip here is that data analytics is a long game and you have to look at it every single day. You have to look at it on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And I know that sounds tough. I know that sounds overwhelming. There's probably 500, maybe a thousand different metrics that you're tracking. The biggest advice and tip that we see success from our customers using is that while there's 500 different metrics you're tracking each month, choose one to three of them to work on, focus on, and improve, and then do it. And then rally the entire team amongst those one to three different metrics, whether that's you know, OEE, that's downtime, that's availability, that's you know, mean time to fail, mean time to repair. Choose one to three of them. Have a core theme once a month, once a quarter. And then the next quarter, change it up. And what we find with that strategy is it really helps our customers focus on the most important things to their business while not feeling overwhelmed with a 500 different metrics that you could potentially track. And we've seen amazing, amazing success with that. And obviously within upkeep, you know, I'll be very transparent. We, like I mentioned, we went all out and there's probably, you know, 500 different metrics that you can now track within upkeep, but we always tell our customers is hone it down to one to three per month per quarter. It's great advice, Ryan. It's especially when you have that much information, we can all fall prey to shiny thing syndrome at that point. Sometimes when there's that much cool stuff to see and to learn from, taking a step back and focusing on a couple of things are going to allow you to have that compounding return as you go forward. Because as you talked about, as you make those improvements in that area, it's not like they're going to fall off when you move to the next, right? It's going to be a continuous build of improvement going forward. And I know you and the team have, you know, some great case studies around, you know, 26% improvements and uptime and, and all kinds of different other areas there too. Obviously, COVID-19 has continued to impact all walks of life for all of us um, right now. And facility cleaning has become a really hot topic. Um, and I know that there is a lot of confusion around benchmarking. What, you know, what should people be doing? What shouldn't they be doing? What is a good idea? What isn't a good idea? Um, how do they maintain a level of safety um, for the folks that are working in the facilities right now? What are you and the team at Upkeep doing to try and, you know, benchmark and pull together some information on that front to, to try and guide folks? 
Yeah, so you line this one up for me, Sean, because that's a huge strategic initiative for the company. What we saw from every single one of our customers is that they're dealing with the same thing. How do I safely reopen our facility and how do I safely operate our facility during a global pandemic? And so what we did was we said we wanted to help out. Upkeep is supposed to be and is the audit trail for everything done. We want to make sure that our customers can use you know, upkeep for that exact purpose. So what we started doing was we started compiling a bunch of resources across all of the different compliance tools and regulations. And we started collating this in a single resource in a single place so that our customers could really easily find them, drop it into upkeep and run their preventative maintenance programs, their audits, their compliance through upkeep. And so what that looks like is we've compiled a list of over 100 different checklists and audits for reop safely reopening your facility during COVID, during the, this pandemic. And it's a super simple library that you can basically search for, you know, what type of facility you are and, and download the correct checklist, import it into upkeep and start running your audits in compliance out of upkeep on a, you know, daily, weekly, monthly basis. And we, we've already heard from a bunch of our customers that it's proven to be incredibly helpful to them um, because again we're all going through the same thing you know how do we effectively reopen our facility that's in compliance with all the new rules regulations you know osha standards yeah you touched on a lot of different areas there it's been very confusing just with a lot of the folks that i've been speaking to Again, trying to cut through the red tape and you know what is required and what isn't required for what they need to do to keep folks safe. So I think that sounds like it's going to be a huge help. I know in manufacturing, it's been wonderful to watch all of us pitch in and the different ways that we have capability to pitch in, whether that was from you know, 3D printing folks very early on making stopgap masks and, you know, all the sewing contractors jumping in there as well and everyone supplying PPE all the way to, to businesses like yours, again, trying to provide guidance in a time that's really difficult for business leaders in the front office as well as out on the floor as well. So super cool stuff. Can't wait to see that all come out and, uh, and have a read myself on that too. You know, as you're seeing these businesses make this transition to using software and a mobile first application and really engaging millennials as we go forward, we're also seeing a push for automation and digital, what folks are calling, you know, industry 4.0 or digital transformation of all the shop floors there. How do you see the future of industry changing as we move forward? And how can industrial businesses, you know, whether you're SMB, mid-market or very large, stay ahead of that curve? in that digital transformation? Great question again. The industrial 4.0 is a fascinating terminology and revolution. And for me, what, what it really means is the lower barrier of entry to get sensors, IoT data, control data into your facility. And to me, this opens up a huge, huge potential for every single business to be part of this change. And I think we should embrace it. So the question around staying ahead of the curve, I think is two components. One is just obviously understanding that cloud is important. I don't think people truly understand why cloud's so important. You know, outside of just technology and having the cool, shiny new thing and more deployments, I really think that cloud is important because of, again, going back to data, cloud really frees this up. The reason why data is so important as it relates to cloud 
is that now you can start capsulating multiple different data sources instead of having different silos of data and trying to like export it out into, you know, a Excel spreadsheet and trying to merge the two. Now you can do that again, because all the data is stored up in the cloud. You can run really interesting reports across finance, across production, across maintenance, across, you know, parts and procurement. Like now it's so much easier to do that because of the cloud. And that's one reason why it's so important. So as we think about like staying ahead of the curve in terms of digitization, I think just understanding that cloud is important, understanding why cloud's important is critical. The second one is, you know, I think the one that gets maybe a little bit more limelight, which is this whole adoption of IoT. You know, let's say that you are part of the 15% of companies right now that have fully adopted to the cloud. We just ran a study and we found that 85% of companies are still on-prem with their fundamental systems and software. So let's say you are part of that 15% that has migrated to the cloud. The next part is, let's call it these shinier objects of IoT sensors. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. (laughs) <laughs> in all honesty, but but the reason why, again, is a little bit more nuanced. When people often think about like IoT, it's it's actually not this whole brand new thing. You know, SCADA systems, PLCs have existed for decades. And for, for me, what IoT really is, again, is just lowering the barrier of entry so that you can start remotely conditioned monitoring more equipment at a much lower cost. And that's fascinating. That's so impactful because if we could say we can do what a PLC, what a SCADA system does at one-tenth the price, one-one-hundredth of the price, that basically opens up a huge amount of leverage for us as a business to be able to improve production, improve our maintenance facilities, OEE. These are all really, really interesting, fascinating opportunities for every single business leader. So for me, it's Staying ahead of this curve is is really about, again, like I, I think it comes back to the understanding of why we do things. Well, I think you make a huge point, right? I, I think all too often folks think about Industry 4.0 as purely a shop floor or a plant floor or a logistics implementation, and they don't think about it from a finance, you know, marketing, sales, front office side as well. Love the point you made there about all of this needs to actually function and work together to actually to have the highest level of success that you can have as a business. So the transformation really is everywhere, not just on the on the floor itself too. As you talked a little bit about some of the the stumbling blocks for leaders that that might fall prey to, you know, the shiny thing syndrome, joking again there. You know, what are some of the things that you'd suggest that leaders avoid when they start looking at digital transformation and how can they avoid the pitfalls? Ooh, avoiding the pitfalls. The biggest pitfall that we see is adoption amongst the teams. We think that it's not about choosing the 10 cool new technologies and trying them out. We think it's about choosing one, maybe two critical systems and using that to its fullest. What we sometimes find is that you actually might have that solution in place today. And it's actually not about new technologies. It's about utilizing the existing one that you've got. Biggest thing, like I mentioned, was adoption of technology amongst the team. You know, find the solution that works for you, the business leader, and also the team. It's not just a single person. You know, a lot of our customers often get sold. A lot of our people that we talk to in the industry is that they get sold on data and reporting. But 
they forget about where the data is coming from. And really it's from the end users. So if you don't have buy-in, you're not going to get the reports and dashboards that you really want. So again, the biggest thing, the area, the pitfall to avoid is really having a single decision maker for a large group of people, get people's buy-in, utilize software to its fullest. And I promise you, you know, there's so much potential. There's so much opportunity in that. Again, Ryan, I, I think you nailed it. The, the biggest mistakes I've seen historically is that you try to implement technological change, which usually precedes the cultural change inside of the company. And if you forget you know, how the culture is going to react to that technological change, it doesn't always end well. And you know, what you outlined there, typically, if you don't think about that, from what I've seen, you end up with about 30% of the folks that are trying real hard to leverage the new technology. You have about another 30% that are trying to use it, but aren't, you know, religious about it. And you have another 30% that just write it off and refuse. (laughs) So it's to your point, you get these really broken data sets that you can't make effective decisions from. And it just, you know, it defeats the entire purpose at the end of the day. So completely agree on the adoption side of things being a massive driver for it. Hey, Ryan. So this is one that we do with everybody that comes on the uh, Thomas Industry Update podcast here. If you could put one sentence on a billboard that expresses your personal philosophy, what would that be? Oh, man. Uh, my my personal philosophy is, <laughs> it's kind of corny, is <laughs> make the impossible possible. I think people are so much more capable of way more than what they initially believe. And what we often hear is, you know, the, the impossible is impossible until, you know, someone does it. <laughs> Learn more about Ryan, his work at Upkeep, and how to better plan for and respond to maintenance needs at your industrial business. Check out the links provided in the show notes of today's podcast. The Thomas Industry Update podcast is produced by Michaela Tierney. If you'd like to share your feedback about this or any other episode, please email us at podcast at thomasnet.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or recommend us to a colleague. Your feedback helps us continue to advocate for industry across the airwaves. Want to get more insights on supply chain, IoT, industrial business, and more? Sign up for our Thomas Industry Update daily newsletter. With more than 300,000 subscribers, your inbox will be in good company. Subscribe now for free at thomasnet.com updates.